Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kauli. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kauli, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kauli. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of uh, having a conversation with Edna Keep, and she is a veteran investor, and she runs the, her website and her coaching at ednakeep.com. She has multiple students and a veteran in the real estate industry. She has done a lot of single family apartments and all types of joint ventures and syndications. So we are looking forward to, uh, you know, hear her advice and her experiences uh, today. So welcome to the show, Edna. Thank you for your time today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, help us get started, Edna, as to, uh, you know, a little bit about your background and, uh, you know, how you came into real estate and, um, I know given your uh, finance background, uh, you have a special uh, sort of interest towards how you came into real estate. So we would be interested to know that. Sure. Well, you know, my background's as a financial advisor. I was a financial advisor selling mutual funds and life insurance for about 15 years. And I liked it. It was a fun job. I always thought, oh, this is, you know, where else do you get paid so well to really just visit with people? And, uh, <laughs> and, and I loved it. I loved getting to know my clients and all that kind of stuff. You know, in um, 2007, the markets were correcting and, and it's the second time it had happened to me with mutual funds. So it wasn't the fun part of my job telling people mm -hmm. their, market, their money had dropped. And uh, so we started looking at another stream of income for ourselves because uh -huh. all our income was tied up. Like my husband had his own job, but all my income was tied up with mutual funds. I had been invested everything in mutual funds. We thought, well, you know, we should maybe diversify a little. So hmm. much of my clients had been in talking to me about what they'd been doing in real estate. And so I checked out a uh, just an evening event with Robert Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got introduced to real estate. And, you know, <clears throat> within a very short period of time, once I really understood real estate, mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't sell mutual funds anymore. And I actually wow. sold my practice two years later and went full time into real estate. And, you know, a lot of people told me I was crazy because I was making good money. Like I was mm -hmm. making routinely over $250,000 a year. Wow. And, that's a lot I, of money. <laughs> yeah. And I only worked about three days a week. So people really thought I had needed my head examined, but you know, I could see the writing on the wall sure. and, um, and I could, and I understood real estate. I could see how it could really work for us in our first 18 months of starting, we had 50 doors. So, wow. Mm -hmm. that, that when we started out that was kind of our 10-year goal so when we seen how quickly we could do it and we did it in 18 months mm -hmm. um we knew we were on to something and we just the passion was there it was exciting it was fun 
and learning something new and making all these purchases. And we actually partnered with another couple very early on that we met through the Robert Kiyosaki training. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they had, they were a couple years ahead of us. So they took a lot of our fear away from being uh, open to investing in something because they'd already done it. Right. Sure, uh, sure. So I've been a big believer of joint ventures right from that point. We were joint venture partners first mm -hmm. before we ever started doing it on our own. That's awesome. Thank you for that detail. And I was just going to ask you, like, you know, um, all the listeners listening might be thinking that, geez, I mean, uh, you know, so 50 doors within 18 months is, uh, I mean, it's, it's as incredible as it is. Uh, I guess the next follow up question becomes is that, hey, how did you, you know, like amass the capital? Or was that from your personal network that you invested and things like that? Uh, share with us, like, you know, uh, like how you got that sort of the start and how you quickly scaled to that uh, 100 and I mean, I guess the 50 doors, was that just through sort of looking into MLS or some off market deals? Okay, tell us a little bit more detail about that. Sure. Well, you know, when we very first started, first of all, one of the things that people are always worried about, whether they need capital to invest in real estate and stuff. Um, in our area, the market, uh, housing market, had went up a lot. So we had almost $200,000 equity in our home, even though I wow. really owned mm. it for five years. And uh, so that's actually how we started. We used our own home equity line of credit. It was what mm. we, you know, I, my investments were all in mutual funds and the mutual fund market was all down. So you don't sure. want to take everything out when it was down. So it's actually what I used for education and everything. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so we, we started, we bought a single family condo with the equity out of our home. Uh, within a couple years, we were able to refinance that property and take all our cash out. But that was our start. Mm -hmm. um, our third property, we actually uh, did a, uh, we got the homeowner to invest with us. So she nice. invested the full down payment. Mm -hmm. and, and, and one of my favorite classes I took with the Kiyosaki group was creative financing. And mm -hmm. so we learned about vendor financing, seller financing, that sort of thing. So we, we had enough money to put the down payment on, mm -hmm. but we didn't, we knew if we left our own money in there that very soon we wouldn't be able to do it anymore. So we knew and had been taught that if we were going to scale, we had to learn how to use other people's money. Sure. So she was our first one. She was so excited. She was so, so happy because she said, you know, finally I, I win twice in my life. I get to, uh, I get full price for my property because we paid her full price because she gave us a full vendor take back and I get 6% interest on my money. So she was <laughs> happy. She didn't want to be in the uh, rental industry anymore. She'd been taken advantage of even by her own family. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then from there, you know what, we just started adding, we started adding in, we did rent to own properties and we did uh, some buy and hold houses. And then, then we hit the ceiling and we couldn't get any more houses uh, in our own name, mm -hmm. even though we had a significant net worth and really good income and all that kind of stuff. At some point you're cut off no matter what. Most sure, sure. Was well, it? Was that Edna because of the, I, I know uh, yours is a Canadian market and we here in the US typically have thresholds uh, from Fannie Mae uh, about, you know, how much properties you can finance in your personal name and things like that. Is that the threshold you're speaking of uh, regarding financing in Canadian market as well? Yes. Like we started out with a corporation. So our first 
I think seven or eight properties were right in our cor corporation. Mm -hmm. Then we couldn't get any more in our corporation. Mm -hmm. And then we put a few in our single, in our own personal names. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we just couldn't get any. So we moved into multifamily. So we went from 26 doors to 50 doors overnight. So we got a 24 unit. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. I see. And, mm -hmm. and that was when we really started understanding the scaling because before that, you know, we were like the typical investor. We were thinking we didn't have enough houses to move on to apartment buildings. We thought mm -hmm. we had to have more houses. Mm -hmm. And the realtor I spoke to, he said, oh, no. He says, your net worth is good. You guys have already learned how to raise capital, bring in joint venture partners. Uh, you can do an apartment building. So the same day he told me about the deal, I put an offer on. We got the offer accepted. And uh, we joint ventured partners with, our, with the couple we'd met through the training. And mm -hmm. then we brought in investor capital for the rest of it. Awesome, awesome. And as as we learned about your uh, bio as well, uh, Edna, there that uh, you have coaching, you have done syndications, you have done uh, real estate funds as well. Uh, give us a broader perspective on what uh, what today your uh, sort of your entire uh, portfolio looks like. Whether it's uh, you know coaching, real estate, and different activities. Give us a sense of what or how much you have today. Sure. Well, you know what? Right now we've got about $65 million worth of property mm -hmm. and that equates out to about 600 doors. Mm -hmm. um, we, we feel like we're actually probably going to double our portfolio this year. Uh, wow. We started a reach in mm -hmm. January. And wow. before that, we had reached 522 doors over a 13-year period. Mm -hmm. And then, you know what? We just kind of got tired of managing the whole thing. And we decided if we brought, did it through a REIT, we could have all the managing partners in place and we wouldn't have to do so much. My specialty is kind of working with finding the deals and uh, financing them. And then after that, I want somebody else to look after the deal. I and see. so mm -hmm. when we started up three dad partners that will look after that part of things. So we've already got um, 80. We just started in January. We closed on our first 80 units in one shot here. Mm -hmm. And we've got another 180 and, and another 300 under contract. So that's why I'm saying right now, by the end of the year, we could effectively double our portfolio. But you I know, we, mm -hmm. we started out just joint venturing. We started out joint venturing a house. Mm -hmm. Then another house. And after we did like 12 joint ventures in a year, we decided, you know, well, we should may as well just go back to doing more apartment buildings because it's a lot more efficient. And we can, um, it's kind of unlimited funding uh, with apartment buildings, especially if you have different joint venture partners with mm -hmm. every deal. So every deal is kind of new, new, new networks, new uh, you know, people to sure. uh, mm -hmm. to pull the the requirements from. Right, right, right. So you you essentially you're st starting from uh, sort of a scratch, or you're starting with basis zero as every new deal comes along, and you don't have the limitation that oh you're stuck at you know whatever three, four, ten uh, in your personal name or corporation, and uh, each new joint venture that you do, it's it's a whole new uh, sort of branding and. Uh, corporation that you can go and finance uh, is that kind of what you're referring to basically yeah, yeah. we still I have see. to do our corporate guarantees and stuff like that on on them but uh, as do the investors I but uh, mm -hmm. they're they more look at the building than they do at you because this, sure. it's, mm -hmm. it's, they're treated like a business does the building Absolutely. make sense financially is it, does the income cover all the expenses and enough left over to make it worthwhile That's absolutely it. absolutely now i want to shift gears and a little bit yeah. and maybe try to understand um, you know like sort of what is in it for the passive investors like uh, as you know as active investors as we both are 
we both understand you know the tangible benefits that uh, real estate brings in and things like that right so but i want to like you know sort of shift the gears a bit and uh, you know learn about your experiences that when you engage uh, different joint venture partners right or uh, folks who are coming into your syndications uh, what is the appealing for them to invest with you? Like what are the benefits basically that uh, you are providing that they want to partner with you in your uh, projects? Uh, well, first of all is understanding, you know, the market and mm -hmm. uh, already being successful and having multi multi properties, but you know, even for brand new people uh, that I train, um, it's all about building the proper power team. Uh, you don't have to do everything yourself. Like you don't have sure. to wash the floors and renovate the properties. You know, we hire that kind of stuff out. Sure. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to oversee the whole project, like mm -hmm. get it under contract, get the financing in place. And, and where we benefit the investors is we understand what a good deal is. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, and sometimes we have a challenging deal and we still have to deal with that. The investors sure. don't, they basically get to write us a check and get to share in the profits mm -hmm. where we do all the work. So mm -hmm. ultimately I think all of us would like to be on the check writing side, but when we first start out, that is not the case. Mm -hmm. uh, we need other people to start helping us build our, our real estate wealth. Um, but, uh, you know, lots of people want to invest in real estate but they don't want to take the time and there's and lots of times they're just scared sure. to do it mm -hmm. themselves because as you know there's a lot of stuff especially in bigger deals that could go wrong and you don't Absolutely. want to end up mm -hmm. with a bad deal sure. uh, mm -hmm. so that that's where you know i teach my students that's where we can really really excel and help a lot of other people excel at the same time Sure, sure. Now let's talk about, you know, sort of how you specifically structure the deals. Like, let's say if it's a joint venture or a syndication, uh, give us some uh, sort of guidance or uh, some examples of how you have structured your deals, whether it's joint ventures or syndications and things like that. Well, you know, we, we've pretty much done everything. Like we've done um, vendor financing. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got, uh, we've done agreements for sale where we've got properties with a down payment and then went to work and did all the work and then got them financed. Mm -hmm. uh, but generally we set it up where us as managing partners own a certain percentage of it mm -hmm. and the investors own another percentage of it. And we build our equity through all the work involved, including finding the deal and, and managing it and reporting on it and all mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. overseeing the property managers and all that sort um but you know we've we've done it in syndications where we've had like up to 12 investors in one deal mm -hmm. uh, now we're moving on to a real estate investment trust where it's unlimited how many people we can bring in mm -hmm. and how many investments we can do inside of it it just depends what kind of deals we can find sure. um but yeah, we've, we've done even just like a single family home where we shared 50-50. The investment mm -hmm. partner put in the capital and we found the deal and managed the deal and, and uh, shared in the cash flow and then the profits. And the sure, future. sure. Right, right. Up in US, generally, the syndication model, uh, that's again, I say generally, uh, again, there are a lot of different ways how they structure it. But in a typical syndication, it's 70% to limited partners, 30% to, uh, you know, uh, to the general partner. And depending on the uh, operators, they can have a 8% preferred returns and things like that. Is uh, how how is the syndication structure uh, in, in uh, sort of on the Canadian side on your side? 
Well, you know, we can structure them any way we want to. And mm -hmm. what I teach my students is, you know, you got to look after yourself first. Mm -hmm. um, I've got many investors that want to go into this full time. So sure. they want to replace their income and have enough cash flow so that they can do it full time. Mm -hmm. So I tell those people, you know, it's better for you to take a smaller ownership position, sure. but take some of the cash flow each month. Mm -hmm. um, what we chose to do at the beginning, because we were in a different situation, we had really good cash flow, we had good net worth, we were looking at more the wealth building side of it. So mm -hmm. we took um, larger ownership positions, mm -hmm. but we also didn't take any cash flow until the investors were 100% paid out. I see. Um, mm -hmm. So in some cases, like, like for example, our first really big deal that we did was 144 units. Mm -hmm. And the managing partner brought it to me I raised the capital for it. It was $1.2 million. Mm -hmm. They own 30%, I own 30%, and then the investors own 40%. Mm -hmm. But the key with that one is we knew that we could uh, force a lot of appreciation in it. We got a really good deal on it. So mm -hmm. after we took possession, we uh, started renovating the units and increasing the rents. Mm -hmm. And within 36 months, we had our investors totally paid out. We knew that was going to happen. So we that's why we got away with giving them just 40% and we got 60 because the time frame was shorter. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. Another deal, we did a 24 unit. We, our turnaround time was expected to be 18 months. Mm -hmm. So we ended up with, uh, I believe, 70% ownership and the investors 30%. Because wow. mm -hmm. what we planned, what we did is we used their money for the down payment and the renovation costs. We did all the work on it. And we refinanced, got them all paid out quickly. Mm -hmm. So within 18 months, they had all their money back. So again, they got a lesser ownership because of that. Because sure. mm -hmm. um, I know some, some investors, like you were saying, lots of times it's 70% to the investors. A lot of it depends how much work's involved for us and, sure. mm -hmm. and our value. Because in this case, our value to the deal was huge because there was a lot of work for us to do in order to turn that property around in 18 months and have everybody paid out. Sure, sure. Now, uh, it sounds like you're referring to, you know, what we call like a deep value add, uh, wherein, you know, you're doing a lot of work in terms of whether it's interior improvements or exterior, uh, you know, uh, sort of things, right? Uh, give us a sense of uh, Edna as to, uh, you know, how, how old vintage your properties are and you know, what it, uh, like what sort of age uh, there and what sort of improvements you have done to certain projects uh, in, within your uh, uh, projects? Sure. Well, you know, each one's been different because sure. like with mm -hmm. that one, it was a little bit older. It was built, I think, in the late 60s, early 70s. So there was a lot of renovations. Like mm -hmm. we uh, drywalled some places, put in new fridges and stoves and, and blinds and flooring and all that kind of stuff. So we did a major mm -hmm. renovation on some of them, but you know, some of them that we purchased have, have been turnkey. Um, so a little bit different, different, um, idea there too, but I'll just give you an example. Two years ago, we bought 38 units turnkey. Mm -hmm. um, we, we walked in, took over, there was no renovations to do. He kept everything really nice. It was fully occupied. Rents were at the max. We couldn't even increase rents. Wow. But what mm -hmm. was nice there is we could immediately start paying out our investors. You know, we didn't have to wait to mm -hmm. build up the cash flow and all that kind of stuff, which happens mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other sweet spot with that one is, um, we got vendor financing of 10% oh, nice. of the deal. Mm -hmm. We got CMHC financing, which 
uh, in the U.S., that's considered like Fannie, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Mm -hmm. So we got, so we only had to put like 15% down. So we got uh, 10% vendor take back, 5% mm -hmm. uh, financing. But, you know, going in, we didn't realize we were going to be able to do all that. So mm -hmm. when we put it out to our investors, we put out, uh, you know, for each hundred thousand that you give us, you're going to own this percentage. Mm -hmm. In the long run, when it was all said and done, we only needed to raise $200,000 on a $400 wow. dollar mm -hmm. deal mm -hmm. because the majority of the money came through the vendor, which we just paid an interest rate. So sure. in the long run, um, again, I had two managing partners on that. Uh, one that lives close and then one, um, one that was here and, mm -hmm. and we just partnered up because we'd done some other deals and it was kind of a sweet deal, uh, mm -hmm. that we were working on together. So we ended up with 45% ownership, the managing partner, 25 and the other partner, 20 and the investors ended up with what's left over 10, 15% ownership. And that was it. So mm -hmm. we, we really did well on that. But again, we created that deal. Mm -hmm. created that deal by getting the vendor take back. We created that deal by getting the, the CMHC finance because not everybody qualifies for that kind of finance. Sure. Either. Sure. I and see. so mm -hmm. that's why the majority of the ownership went to us that so we didn't need very much investment capital. I see. I see. Now uh, shifting gears a bit, uh, Edna here, you uh, also do mentoring and you see a lot of students, uh, uh, you know, within your program, give us a sense of, uh, you know, like how you are teaching the students and what sort of mindset is needed for students to be successful uh, in this uh, sort of the long-term game of real estate? Very good question. So, you know, I'm a big believer in mindset. I always say no matter what level you're moving to, because it doesn't matter where you are, we're moving to a new level. Sure. Um, especially if we hire mentorship, we're planning on doing something different. New level, new devil. You know, so all the time we're working on increasing our own mindset. You, you'll go through the same things, right? Sure. Every absolutely. time, you know, it was a shift from us to go from single family homes to a 24 unit. Mm -hmm. We really had to wrap our head around it. Mm -hmm. and, and I was fairly quick wrapping my head around it, but still there was challenges to it. You know, it took mm -hmm. us a while to get the financing because the rents were too low. It took us, you know, even the bank would only give us 50% financing. So we had to do a lot of private financing. So what, what I tell people is, you know, you really got to wrap your head around mindset in the long-term game and in the creative game and dealing with other people's money. Because um, one of the biggest fears when people come to me is, you know, you know, it's one thing using my own money. But if I lose somebody else's money, that's terrifying to me. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I go, you know what? You people are my favorite kind of student. Because if you came mm -hmm. to me and you said, eh, I don't care if I lose somebody else's money, I wouldn't even Ooh. take you on. You know, know. Mm -hmm. uh, you want people who go, yeah, it terrifies me. So I'm going to do whatever is possible in my power to make this deal work. Sure. So that's mm -hmm. the kind of attitude I want. That's the kind of attitude I teach. Sure. And, mm -hmm. and I help you with the whole, you know, you just decide, you decide and it starts to happen. Like some of my students will say, well, I don't have any money lined up to put the down payment down. How mm -hmm. can I make an offer? And I'll tell them, you know what? You make the offer, the money will come. You're never going to line up the money until you need it. So let's make that offer and then things just start to happen. And students are, are really, who really realize that, wrap their heads around it. They go on and make all kinds of purchases and they will tell you, you know what, Edna, when you told me at the beginning that I could do this and maybe own a property within three months of starting with you. I thought, yeah, not me, maybe you, maybe your other students, but not me. 
And now three months later, I'm closing on a building. It's like flabbergasting, but that's with the right guidance and the right system, you can do that. And that's the key. And, and it really is wrapping your head around the idea. Um, and the other idea is, you know, a lot of people think, you know, everybody out there have money and I don't have any money. So they've got all the power and I don't have any power. Mm -hmm. That's not true either. Um, I teach you to get the mindset of, I've got the gold. You got mm -hmm. some money. So do you. Lots of people out there have the money. I got the gold. I got mm -hmm. the property. I got the key piece, the key ingredient. Mm -hmm. And you know, not everybody's going to invest with you. Sure. Um, <laughs> but for the right deal, uh, you'll, you'll have your investors there. Awesome. So now when new students are starting at a lot of times, you know, like, let's say you can find the deal and how are they raising the capital? Like, uh, you know, let's say if someone needs a, a million dollars to close a deal, you know, what sort of, uh, you know, things uh, that specifically the students are doing to attract the, the new investors and uh, sort of bring in the sources of capital? Well, the first thing that I teach them is vendor getting vendor financing because, mm -hmm. you know, vendors are predisposed investors. They already believe in real estate. They already love real estate. You don't have to teach them anything. Sure. They, mm -hmm. they probably already got a good building or a decent building. Mm -hmm. Generally, when people are selling, it's for a few reasons. They have a larger deal they want to move on to. They're retiring. Mm -hmm. They've got a divorce and the spouse wants a settlement mm -hmm. uh, or there's illness. You know, so usually there's there's some crisis that's going on that's causing them to get out of their building. It's sure. not that there's anything wrong with the building. So hmm. when they think about taking their money out, what are they going to do with it? Hmm. You know, so there's scripts that we go through that we say, we ask them, you know, what's your plans? And it's just a conversation. Sure. And, mm -hmm. and when you find out what their plan is, uh, and you know, it's the retired couple or, you know, somebody who wants to take the money and pass it on to their kids. Um, well, then that opens the door for asking for vendor financing. So that's right. one of the first mm -hmm. things we focus on, because if mm -hmm. you can get a million or, you know, say, say it's a $4 million sale. And if you can get 500,000 from the seller, well, sure. then you only need 500,000. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so, so that really reduces it. We also really work hard on getting CMHC financing because mm -hmm. if we get CMHC financing, we only have to put 15% down. I see. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you have a $4 million building and 25% down is a million, sure. you drop that down to 15%. Well, it's way less than sure. you need, first of all. And Absolutely. not everybody can qualify for CMHC. So we have some tips on that too. Mm -hmm. And then you get the vendor to finance. And lots of times when you thought mm -hmm. initially that you needed a million dollars to close that property, in the long run, you only needed a couple hundred thousand. Right, so right. Uh, uh, I have a whole uh, system for people to find the money. Uh, everything from, you know, people you already know, everybody sure. that's in your list on your phone, mm -hmm. uh, your email list, mm -hmm. um, people that you get to know, even fellow students. I find that sometimes the fellow students are funding other students' deals because they got the money, but they haven't found the deal yet. Right, right. Um, mm -hmm. Also teach it's great to be a joint venture partner first before you ask somebody to joint venture with you, because then you sure. see both sides of the fence. Absolutely. So those are some of the things. And the other thing is really providing value to your potential investors. Like teach them, I tell, tell my students, when I teach you a concept mm -hmm. and it makes sense to you, 
go share that with everybody you know <laughs> your mom your dad your brother your sister your co-workers your boss when you learn something because if you learned it there's a 90 percent chance 95 percent chance that they don't know it you know as a financial advisor i didn't understand real estate hmm. i have uh clients come in to me and say you know i'm thinking of buying uh you know property you know so my friends are and i go really you want to invest in an asset class and in our our area hmm. it the most it grew every year was about three percent on that only grows like three percent i didn't understand and i was a financial sure. advisor so most people out there on a day-to-day -day basis that you're going to know right they don't get it sure. so you have to teach them Absolutely. and one of the first questions i get my people to ask uh their potential investors is do you own a home mm -hmm. and most people do uh, and they go yeah and and how long have you owned it and if they've owned it for any length of time it's probably a big portion of their net worth Sure. So, mm -hmm. so then from there, so that, so it's been a good investment for you. Well, I didn't buy it for an investment. I bought it to live in, but you know, when I think about it, yeah, it's been a great investment for me. Sure. Mm -hmm. What if you did that again? Right. Absolutely. You know, and it's it's that easy to start the conversation with people. Awesome, awesome. That's a lot of power and a wide ranging answer to many strategies and many different things. Uh, you know, any newbie can do. So I appreciate the detail there, Edna. Yeah, you're um, welcome. Now, Edna, uh, moving on. What is like sort of the best piece of advice you have received in such a uh, long career you have had that has kind of helped you? Uh, you know, sort of scale bigger and stay disciplined give us some pieces of advice you have received from whether it was your mentors or your uh, family or any other investors that you have networked uh, in your career you know the best piece of advice i got and i still hand it out every day is get and stay around like-minded people because um there's so many people out there that will talk you out of your dream and if you're not around people like us who can say, you know what, and I, I always say this, you know what, I'm not a rocket scientist. Mm. I got my grade 12. I didn't even go to university. Mm. And, and I was a single mom at age 16. If I can build a portfolio, you can build a portfolio. So you just have to get with the right-minded people that believe in you. Because sure. a lot mm. of times, like I tell my students, you know, you're not going to have that belief even in the deal. Mm -hmm. at the beginning you're going to need me to help you say yeah is that a good deal and yeah that's a good deal let's make an offer or that's an average deal but you know what one of my early mentors also told me i didn't make my fortune on a whole bunch of home runs he said most of my deals were average deals i see and that's the other thing too is lots of people think they're going for that one home run mm -hmm. and you know out of, out of all the properties that we bought we've we've had a few home runs but we haven't had 520 kind of home runs you know what sure. i mean mm -hmm. so that's the other thing to wrap your head around too it's a long-term game sure and uh but being around like-minded people is the biggest and best thing you can do uh and and when i mean say like-minded people it's not people that go to that same meeting you went to and didn't buy anything that's not <laughs> the like-minded person right. you want right. to be around right. you want to be around somebody who's doing and has done what you want to do. Absolutely, and I I also like to you know supplement there by by also saying that you know successful people have their own challenges and sometimes it becomes a lonely place, right? And networking with those fellow people 
you know, kind of uh, sort of you're sharing the pain and, you know, uh, it's sort of a solace where, you know, you can relate to other people and some people can echo to you saying that, oh, you know, it's exactly similar things happened to me, but guess what? Uh, a year ago, this was something really worse that has happened to me. And that sometimes puts you in a very great spot. W- would you agree? I do, because you know what? It's not just the positive things that happen to us, but it is the negative things that we can share. Sure. And you know, just, just as an example, in one of my masterminds, one of the new students was beating themselves up for something they did. I can't remember what it was, something about a tenant. And uh, the senior person had owned real estate for 30 years. Said, mm-hmm. you know what? I, I know better. And that just happened to me last month. So she <laughs> said, don't beat yourself up because sometimes you can do every bit of due diligence you want to on a tenant and you still screw up. Like they, some of them are pretty slick. So yeah, that person immediately felt better because right. they went, really? That happened to you? Because there are 30 years in the business. Yeah, that happened to me just last month. You know, so it it takes some of that away too, because you know what, we can't make perfect decisions every single time. So you're right when you say, you know, yeah, you know, I had that, you know, water challenge in my building, or, you know, I had that high water bill or that tax bill. And, and these are some of the things we did to offset it, you know? Awesome. Awesome. It's been a pleasure, Edna. I appreciate your advice. Uh, I hope I can reach out to you again in uh, near future and learn about more updates and stuff. So uh, thank you for sharing your advice. Uh, Please share with our listeners how they can reach you and learn more about you. Sure. Well, you know, I do uh, Mindset Mondays and Free Coaching Fridays on my Facebook page and it's Mm -hmm. Coach Edna Keith. Uh, and if they want to get on my email list to see uh, anything else that we got going on, it's uh, uh, they can uh, just reach out to me at my email address, which is ednakeep.com or my website, which is ednakeep.com or so, sorry, my email address is edna at ednakeep.com. Sure. My website is ednakeep.com and they can, they can check things out. There's, I get lo- lots of, uh, you know, free tips uh, but if they want to really get into buying multifamily, I also have a course that I offer. And if they're interested in that, they just can book a strategy call with me and, uh, and we'll see if it's a fit. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And for listeners of our podcast as well, uh, you know, we have lots of news articles and lots of different, uh, you know, stats on our website at premiumcashflow.com. If uh, you are interested in learning about passive investments, we uh, time to time have various opportunities. So please log on to our website, premiumcashflow.com. There you can register yourself using invest with us uh, link and we can jump on a short call and know about your goals and what you're looking to do, which markets you're looking to invest and things like that. So thank you for your time, Edna. It is a pleasure and uh, I wish you well and look forward to, you know, sort of chatting with you on another episode. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest. Music.